Chapter 10 of How to Have Bird Neighbors. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Doc D. L. Martin. How to Have Bird Neighbors by S. Louise Patterson. More about the boy. I am sure that the farm at the end of our street is like home to the birds of the neighborhood, and that that good boy is big brother to them all. He always has a bath for the birds set out on a table and a lunch beside it. You would be surprised to see how well the birds like oatmeal mush and other cereals, said he, the last time I was there. Just watch that song sparrow. The little brown bird was feeding on a shredded wheat biscuit. She stayed long enough to eat a hearty meal, then took away as much as she could carry in her bill. While I sat there, she returned several times for more. We were out in the boy's workshop. He had just finished making what he called a food house. It was a tray roofed over to keep out the rain and snow, he said. I remarked that it was early, it was in July, to talk about snow. Oh, said he, this is one of my vacation jobs. After school begins, I won't have time for these things. I'll be a freshman in high, you know. The tray was about a foot long and not quite so wide. On each side there was a wire pocket to hold suet. Four neat round sticks supported the roof, which he said was made out of the sides of a soapbox. I asked where he got those fine round sticks and that pretty tray. He said the sticks were scraps from his uncle's cabinet shop, and that he got the tray from the grocer. The name, Neuchâtel, was printed on the sides of the tray in big letters. I said, wouldn't it be nice if all the Neuchâtel cheese boxes were made into food trays for birds? Yes, he answered. I know that our grocer would rather give his boxes away for some useful purpose than to burn them. I admired the little food house so much that the boy gave me some sticks so that I could make one too. Then he told me of a pair of cedar wax wings that had nested in the orchard and a pair of crusted flycatchers in a woodpecker's house. I was very curious to see the wax wings, so we went to them first. The nest was about ten feet up in an apple tree. With our field glasses we could see it quite plainly from under the nearest tree. Mrs. Waxwing was sitting up there. We could just see her head and her tail. Mr. Waxwing visited her every few minutes with some food. They were the quietest birds I have ever seen. What they did say or sing was in very soft tones, as if they were telling each other secrets. I hummed parts of the little song occasionally. When I explained to the boy why I did so, he smiled and looked as if he didn't quite believe me. We went from the waxwings to the flycatchers. They lived in what the boy called a Berlepsch house. That means it was designed by a man named Berlepsch, who was a great friend of birds. The boy said his uncle in New York had sent him the house as a birthday present. What could be a nicer gift for a boy than a birdhouse? It would make him want to get birds in it, of course. And I can think of nothing that would make a boy happier than to have bird neighbors. 
the burlapsch house was made so one could raise the top lid fashion and clean it when necessary it was mounted about twelve feet high on a brook willow that stood aslant in the ravine and it had been intended for woodpeckers the crested flycatchers are brown birds with gray upper breast and yellow below their head feathers are always ruffed which gives the appearance of a crest the flycatchers were flying back and forth continually with all sorts of prey the brown bugs called canadian soldiers were numerous that day and were easy to catch these parent birds evidently had a large family judging from the amount of food they delivered mr flycatcher had a loud explosive whistle it sounded as if he were saying what the young could be heard giving the same whistle but much more softly and somewhat long drawn out what after our visit with the flycatchers we returned to the waxwings waxwings are brown and about the size of bluebirds on the back of the head they have a tuft a black line extends across the bill and around the side of the head the front is yellowish gray and the tail edged with yellow the name waxwing is due to a shiny red patch on their wings the fact that these waxwings are very fond of cedar berries must be what has given them also the name of cedar bird the nest was made of twigs strings and various kinds of fiber the boy said that a few weeks ago he had cut his dog's hair and left it lying on the lawn that these waxwings then came and carried every bit of it to their nest while near the birds i hummed the bird song again to let them know that the same persons were there that had visited them before the mother bird was looking straight at us and sitting perfectly still all the while the boy said he believed the song did help to keep her quiet on a cornice of the front porch a phoebe had made two nests one last year and one this both nests were now empty i said i hoped that a phoebe would come to live on our porch next year you can have this one answered the boy and added i have to wash off the porch every day while phoebe is nesting she scatters so much mud as for me i would gladly clean off our porch several times a day if a phoebe would nest here and sing us sweetly phoebe phoebe as i heard that one sing sometimes i noticed a slight trill in the second syllable of her song like fibri she sang phoebe with the inflection generally downward but when she trilled it fibri the inflection was always upward fibri pia wee came from the ravine clear as a strain from a flute on my way home i saw the peewee on a fence picket every little while he flew after an insect then back to a picket as i walked slowly along he flew from picket to picket ahead of me until i came to where the houses on the street begin again then he flew back i think that peewee and phoebe must be some relation they look so nearly alike and both sing their own names another bird who sings his name is bob white the quail bob white came ringing across the meadow every little while 
the boy could whistle it exactly the same as the bird and they answered each other back and forth bob white was on a fence post a large brown bird with a stubby tail on thanksgiving day i was up at the farm again and i saw a shelter which the boy had made for the winter comfort of bob white and other birds who wished to share it it was tent-like made out of cornstalks the inside filled with pea vines bean vines morning glory vines and several sheaves of oats kitty was watching beside the shelter for mice the boy explained the new food house was being visited by blue jays who nibbled at the suet a smaller feedery on a tree had corn in a tray and suet in a wire pocket this feedery was much liked by downies and small gray birds with white on lower front and tail juncos juncos came in flocks of a dozen or more and twittered tut 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 to each other and to us in sociable fashion they preferred to pick up the scatterings of chick feed on the ground rather than perch on the tray both of these food stations were protected with tin sheeting to keep the squirrel from eating the bird's food this visit at the boy's home made me wish more than ever that some day i too might live on a farm on that thanksgiving day i had quite a surprise some dogs came barking from the ravine before them ran a rabbit just as fast as he could they were the dogs that had so often chased bunny and this rabbit looked so much like bunny that i felt sure it was he there's my rabbit said the boy as he went to chase the dogs away i was glad to know that bunny had such a nice home and that the boy was a big brother to him also End of chapter 10